Today, uh, we're going to talk about the power of love, the awesome power of love. Now, don't be afraid of today's teaching. Anybody ready for this? Don't be afraid of it. I want you to just go ahead and receive the teaching. Let me throw this opening scripture out to you. 1 John 4 and 16. Read it with me. God is love. Come on, read it out loud. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Did you, did you hear what you just said? Did you hear it? Whoever lives what, where? Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So because God dwells in me specifically, I want you to get this. How many know God wants to dwell inside of us? So he wants to live inside of us. So there is a, there is a conflict in our world. There is a conflict that is in our world. And the conflict that's in our world is we don't know who loves and we don't know who hates. We don't know. We just don't understand what's going on specifically. And out of that, we're just in a constant struggle of love and hate. But here is a simple formula that I want you to embrace and learn of today. Whoever lives in God, whoever lives in love, lives in God and God in him. I love, God loves, we are victorious. Let's just go ahead and commit ourselves to it. How many love? How many love? How many love? Anybody love? Do you have the capacity to love? Now, this is an important scripture to me for many reasons. One of the big reasons... Um, does anybody remember when you gave your life to Jesus? Amen. Anybody remember? We call it, there's other terminology, being born again. Anybody? Anybody ever remember when you got, here's, another, here's what we called it when I was a kid. You got saved. Amen. Got saved. So here I am on the planet and I got saved. And now this year, I want to see more people saved than ever before. How many would like to see your family, your friends, your neighbors? Just say, get saved, get saved. Rescued. So we're going to learn about this. And it's my hope that out of this message in this month, we're going to see a great harvest. Loads and loads of people who will come to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're going to see this as we learn about loving on a deeper level. And we're going to talk about different aspects of love in this series. Of course, there's a major problem in talking about love in our culture. Because all we're, all we're impacted by, subjected to, the only message of love is attractional love. Am I right? What I love what I'm attracted to, you know. Uh, I mean, you go to particular restaurants because you love that food, Okay. And when I was seven years old, we said, oh, you love it. Why don't you marry it then? You know? <laughs> then Celine Dion, remember that song, The Power of Love? That song gets you going right there. Now, so you understand, I am a romantic man. I am. I, I just, all right, I kissed my wife last night. I'm just going to tell you, I did. Right, right on the mouth. Okay, I did. And, Told her I loved her. She getting embarrassed over there. Nah. She's heard me preach enough. So 
I love her. Oh, goodness. Can we just cancel service right now? I but, but we need a, a deeper, more comprehensive understanding of what love is than what Celine Dion would tell us or what our culture tells us. Because much of what we call love today is not love at all. In fact, it's more of an addiction. Love becomes, anybody understand what I'm saying? It becomes an enslavement to people. And when I say love, you could say, you know, become Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? It's the secondhand emotion. It's so much more. So there's so many words, so many attributes. So today I want to begin to talk to you about love. And specifically, we're going to be talking about, in February, imagine this, the power of love. Today, I want to talk about the power of God's mercy. Somebody shout God's mercy. And looking to Ephesians 2 and 4. This is great scripture. But God, who is rich in mercy. Say that. Rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he had loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So love is. Mercy is an attribute of love. And grace. Do you get that? And I like the statement, God is rich in mercy. Let me ask, is there any, are there any rich people in the room today? Because yes. we are going to take another offering in just a few minutes. No. <laughs> rich people. People with a lot of money. But you understand, you know there are some people that can, can afford some stuff that you can't afford. Right? Uh, uh, anybody remember Jay Leno? Jay Leno. Years ago did the Tonight Show. Before that, Johnny Carson did it, and then Jay Leno did it, and now some other guy does it. What's his name? Jimmy Fallon. Okay, so. But uh, Jay Leno is a rich man. He is worth $400 million. He owns 167 collectible vehicles, motorcycles. One of them is a motorcycles and cars. One of them is a 1967 Lamborghini. Do you know why he owns a 1967 Lamborghini? 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 One of those cars? Because he has so much money. He is so rich that out of his riches, he can afford it. I don't know if you're hearing this. God is so rich in love that he can give mercy wherever he wants to give mercy. God has so much love. You don't understand that. I guess some of you, maybe you don't get this, but perhaps uh, you've looked at a child before, you know, and you look at that child and say, wow. Is there anybody in your life that you would die for? Is there any? Is there anybody? Are there more? Is there more than one or two or three people that you would die for? I mean, that, that scenario, that... If there was a choice and somebody needed to go step out in front, somebody's going to die, you would step up in front and say, take me, don't take them. All right? You you get that, all right? But for anybody, would you do it for anybody? Just I mean, there are some people that you would say, "Mm, no. Nope, nope. No, you can just kill them. Just take them, take them. They, somebody needs to shoot that guy, and I'm not even coming to do the shooting, but go ahead. 
Do you hear what I'm telling you? God is so rich because of his great love. He is rich in mercy. Even, do you know who Jesus died for? He died for people that you don't like. People that you have not yet reached with love yet. Help me. Listen, we, we, the, the times we're living in are calling us to mercy. And I know you don't, we don't like much of what is going on in the world, but God poured out his love into us so we become a people of mercy. So when, when I say I want to see people saved, what I'm saying is I want to show mercy to people who may not deserve mercy. Are you hearing me? I, I, I know that when you see the headlines of the church these days, some people would say that the church is no good. I was reading, somebody's posting a bunch of stuff the other day, and sometimes I just don't read it because it just, it's just negative, negative, negative. Come on. How many know people need to be encouraged and be lift up? But, but it's, it's almost like the church is so bad this way, and the church is so bad that way. I, I excuse me. I have had some really good experience with people who know Jesus Christ. And I have found that there have been people who have loved me and cared for me even when I did not feel like I deserved to be loved. I told you I'm a lover. I love people. I love you. I love you right where you are. I love you if you are a liar. I love you if you're a hater. I love you if you're an atheist. I love you if you're an idolatry. I love, love, love you. And you say, no, you don't know. I already love you. I may not like some of the stuff you're doing, but I want you to know I'm standing here. God loves me. I love God. His love is in my life. And whatever brought you to the house, whatever mess you've been in, no matter what has happened, no matter what you have done, we love you already. You receive that? Yes. Yes. That's part of the message of mercy. No matter how much darkness and sin you've been in, I, I learned a little bit about mercy. I'm glad people have been merciful to me. I really am. I, I pastored this church for a long time, and a lot of that is because of people who were merciful to me. All right? But uh, I, I've learned, I remember, you know, my, my our children are like, not even considered young adults by some people now, but I remember. Anybody remember when your kids got their driver's license? Anybody remember that? Those mercy, mercy. Those were tough days. And then they actually do this. Okay, we give them a car and keys, and they drive on the highway. There was a lady as I was driving to, to the office today. We were driving to the church today, and as we were coming here, there was a lady that was putting on her makeup. As she was driving. And she was in every lane. And I freely gave her with mercy all of those lanes. Every lane. She was also in, she was making lanes for own. She crossed constantly. And evidently, as we finally ended up at the same stoplight, thank you, Jesus, Diana looked over and she said, Has she been using that contour brush all the way here? You know, does it take that much time? I said, What's a contour brush? I thought, you know, that was something you worked with on your TV, you know, contour. Anyway, uh, I remember when Felicia got her driver's license. Okay, Route 64 going towards Chesapeake. Okay, how many know the patrolman will be there? I, I just slow down. 
I just slowed it. Not that I would speed or anything, but she didn't. You know, she was like 16, 17, or no, 18. Anyway, it was her first speed ticket. And I, she had to, because first speed ticket, you have to go before the judge. Okay? Especially if you're a minor. So she goes to the judge, and I went with her. I'm sitting in the back. Watching her as they call her up front. She's standing up there all by herself. I'm feeling I, I didn't go up there to help my little girl. So I let her stand up there all by herself. And uh, she, the judge, they called her name. And the officer read something. And Felicia looked up at the judge. The judge says, well, what, what do you have to say? She said, how would you like to plead? She said, I would like to plead guilty and ask the court for mercy. <laughs> And the judge cracked up. He just cracked up. He said, is that your daddy back there? And she said, yeah, right back there. Because I was watching from the back. Because I don't care if he was the judge. That's still my little girl. How many have ever been guilty but would like mercy? How many want a judge that gives you mercy? So he, you know, the judge cut down some fines. And we got on out the door. And she kept her license. I know... Uh, that there's so much scripture about this. Lamentations 3.22. This is also a song. Uh, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Read that with me. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faith. In other words, he doesn't run out of love every morning. The, the words, if you work, do some word study on the, the compassion, the steadfast love is, it speaks of compassion and mercy. It is love like a mother does when she feels a child in her womb. Somebody praise God for that love. So it's, um, it's powerful love. It's like, has any, anybody remember, paper, they still use paper grocery bags. Now they're a big deal, I think. We were in California. That's the only kind you could use, and you had to buy them. But, uh, but how many have ever put too much grocery in a paper bag before? Anybody ever done that before? And finally just, you know, you're carrying it, finally just all comes out. All. That's how God's love is. It's so much that your grocery bag cannot handle it. Praise Jesus. I... Uh, I know so many stories and I don't have time to tell them all, but I have seen how people have loved and how when they embrace love that it changed them. I just, you know, this time of the year, I always grieve a little bit extra. I just pause and think about some people, you know, yesterday was the day that Steve Oliver passed away five years ago, and three years ago, one of the, the second pastor of this community when it was out, out at the ocean front passed away three years ago, Paul Yor. And 17 years ago, yesterday, my mother passed away. So it's just one of those, one of those days that, you know, you just kind of think about a little bit extra. And, and uh, I was thinking about one of the stories that uh, jumps to my mind at that, at that moment was when my mother got severely sick. And she was in the hospital, Ohio State University Hospital. And while she was there, uh, she uh, was in a coma because she had a brain bleed that had been an effect of colon cancer, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, it wasn't good news. And I, had, and I was coming back to Virginia Beach because it was going to be Sunday and I was going to preach. And it was also my birthday. So I'm, I'm driving back on Saturday on my birthday, 2002, uh, December 6th, in case you want to remember next year. And uh, so I'm driving back. And as I'm driving back, 
uh, we get a phone call from the office saying somebody needs to talk to me. And I'm, you know, the days, uh, you know, I guess that's the way we handle it. So I just quickly uh, called back that number because it was an emergency. It was a young lady who was struggling over whether or not she was going to keep her child or not. Uh, because she was, she was pregnant and uh, she had a, you know, her boyfriend was saying, he's going to get rid of this child. And, and uh, I pulled over into a church parking lot on Route 35 because there was just two-lane road. I pulled over. Just there, that's all there was. The next road is church parking lot. I still, when I go back to Ohio, pass that same church parking lot and always remember the story. I'm sitting there in that church parking lot and I call this young lady. She answers the phone. She hadn't given me her name, but I recognized her voice. <laughs> and after I recognized her voice, I said, honey, I know who you are. And Pastor Rick, you know, we're crying on either end of the phone. And, and I asked her, I had some revelation at that particular moment on how to handle that. And I said, would you just take your hand and lay it on your womb for a moment. Because it wasn't about what everybody else was saying. It was about her relationship with her child. So just lay it on your womb. And would you pray with me for a moment? Just pray with me. And, I, and I, st I started with, you know, Lord, I give you thanksgiving for my child. No matter what the circumstances, I give you thanksgiving for my child. And just walk her through. And Lord, help me to embrace. Show me your love. Fill me with your love so that I can love this child. That child is now 17 years old now. I keep a picture in my office of his sonogram that she brought me and his baby picture so that I can always remember how good and how gracious God is. If you listen, if you will allow his mercy to invade you, go, go back with me to the teaching of three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we were here. Now that's uh, Black History Month now. Three weeks ago, we were at MLK Day. Anybody remember that? What a day we had on that Sunday. And I taught from the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. And, uh, but I missed a particular part. And I wanted to show you the scripture again in John chapter 8, verse 2. Early in the morning, he, Jesus, came again to the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. That's what I missed. Okay? Read that. Jesus did what? He sat down to. He sat down and taught them. He sat down. He's going to teach them. Next scripture. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. So what we have now is the great teaching of the Lord Jesus. How many of you believe that Christ might have, by the Spirit, known what he was going to experience when he sat down that day? All right? Because here we are. And how many times have we talked about the story? But I, I want you to see this. He, the, the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery and they wanted for Jesus to lead them in the stoning of this woman. Now, now, just for the purpose of teaching, I believe, again, he knew what was going to happen. But I, I want you just to embrace this moment for a moment, if you would, with me. So Jesus is sitting down in this holy manner. Scribes and Pharisees are there, but there are other people that he's teaching, all right? And they drag this woman. I, I'm thinking she's got a sheet maybe wrapped around her because they caught her in the very act of adultery. And she's trying to cover herself and 
all these thoughts because they didn't just get her there. They didn't drag her just a couple of blocks around the corner, but they found her and they drug her through the streets. And by this time, she's dirty and she's filthy and they pushed her. And the thoughts that are going through her mind at this particular moment, I, I can only imagine what the thoughts must have been. Maybe it were thoughts like this. It's like, you know, when I was a kid, Mama used to tell me if you did things like I'm doing right now, you're going to end up dying. Just, just the thoughts of what had happened. And then, you know, thinking to herself, you know, I really deserve this. You know, if they're going to kill me, go ahead and kill me because I really don't like my life the way it is now anyway. And perhaps as well, she went through, how did I end up in this mess? This is not what I intended for my life. And the, the scrapes and the hurt and the screams and some people using derogatory languages, they scream at her. And finally she gets there to the feet of Jesus. And she says, well, this is it. This is it. She lays down in the dirt and she sees her hands and the scrapes on her hands. And she begins to remember how she got up here. I did not intend to live a life like this. And she begins to remember that first time. Somebody say first time. Say first time. She remembers because perhaps it wasn't that she wanted to be living this way, but somehow she ended up in a place in her mind where she got wounded as a child. Maybe it was a relative. I don't know. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was uh, somebody that was not supposed to treat her that way. But somebody at some time found that child and hurt her in such a way that her poor heart and her poor soul was so broken and so wounded. She did not want to be in the mess that she was in. But her heart had drug her to it before these Pharisees had drug her through the street. Amen. She thought to herself, I guess this is what I deserve. And somehow the screaming began to disappear because she had heard all of their voices. But now the screaming was gone. She looked up out of the dust. All she could see was the face of Jesus. And there was love in his eyes. It was a smile, but it wasn't a smile like, you know, that smile, like you're getting what you deserve. It wasn't that mean, angry. It was, it was compassion. And he looked at her and he said, woman, where are those men that were accusing you? And she looks up and she says, I don't see anybody. And Jesus responded to her by saying, Listen, honey, I'm not going to accuse you either. Now, I want you to leave this place and I want you to go back and have a different life. Amen. Anybody receive what I'm teaching you today? I don't know. I, I don't know. Can you imagine the tears then? Can you imagine the pent-up shame that she had had all of her life that suddenly comes loose? Can you imagine a place of healing that was infected, that was in her heart, that had been infected for so long, and suddenly the infection seems to break loose, and she can feel, wait a minute, somebody cares. Can you imagine the relief? Anybody ever felt relief when finally you realized your past had no more control over your future? The relief that she had at that particular moment, the, the joy, somebody loves me, they truly love me and they know me, they knew me, they know my story, my history, and they don't want to hurt me, they don't want to use me, they don't want to abuse me. There's power in love, folks. 
There's power in love to change people. There's power in love to heal broken hearts. There's power in love to transform lives. This past week, we had the privilege of being in Atlanta. And we've been there before for a couple of conferences. This time we decided we would, we would, we would drive. Anybody ever driven to Atlanta before? That's a drive, brother. And, the, and the, I'm telling you, the traffic in Atlanta reminds me of Los Angeles. It does. I saw a big traffic accident on the news uh, right there at Jimmy Carter Boulevard exit, which is right where we had driven, right by Jimmy Carter Boulevard. I'm thinking, that could have been anybody, you know, and traffic was bad. We decided to take a slow drive back because uh, just, I don't know, we, for kicks. One of the reasons is in the 27th was the anniversary of Diane and I's first date. So, we take a slow drive back. We've been in the conference, you know, sometimes when we drive, take long drives, we'll turn on the, we'll turn on the love station. We'll sing to each other. We were just, our hearts were so full, though, after the conference on the way back, we just sat and talked about the things that we had learned. And for almost 10 hours, we talked about what God wanted to do in the church how God wanted to help people. As we're coming into Charlotte, we decide, you know, let's just, we've never been to the Billy Graham Library. Let's go to the Billy Graham Library. So we pulled over and went in. Crowd wasn't so big on a Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever day that was that we were there. It's been so long ago now. It's a long week. But we walked in and you just could not escape the heart to love people. It was like every room we went in, somewhere you would find it, that John 3.16 scripture. Anybody heard it before? God so loved, come on, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, how did we get so far away from the message? How do we get, that's, how many know he loves me? Somebody shout, he loves me, he loves me. And the person next to you and the person across the street and the person you work with, the person who tried to run you off the road because they were doing makeup this morning. God loves them. Jesus. I was hearing that and thinking, how did we get so far away from it? And I, I just love, I, you know, we walked out to the grave of George Beverly Shea. Some of you don't know who George Beverly Shea is, but he was the guy that sang it all of... Uh, uh, of Billy Graham's crusades. We, they just called him Bev. Bev's coming to sing. And, and uh, you know, there's so many songs that he sang, but the song that became famous during those days of crusades, and Diane and I did go to one of those crusades when Billy Graham was around, but it was this one at the altar call. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Just as I am. Somebody say, just as I am. Just as. And, and so over the years, we've been singing those songs. You say, well, that's a good old hymn, but I don't know old hymns. But, you know, how about, you know, uh, he is jealous for me. His 
loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me in the choruses. And oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us so. It's Black History Month. And I tell you, every time we come to this season, my heart is just shaken. It's shaken as a man. It's shaken as, again, you may not have noticed I'm a white man. I didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> and yeah, that was a white I've studied, I've, I've been to, it just breaks my heart. I mean, the things that our ancestors went through, can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. And I, I think of the slavery, and, and then I think of all the times that we have sang a song of reconciliation about love. Anybody know the song of reconciliation? It was written by a guy named John Newton. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And I, I sing the song, and before I've gotten to that part of wretch, and I say, I don't want to say wretch. Can we say something else? Why do I have to say wretch like me? And then you say, well, did you know who John Newton was? Do you understand why he wrote it that way? Amen. He was a slave trader. He had a ship. God got a hold of his heart and he was ashamed. And wait, wait. God loved that man? He loved that man. He loved him so much that he fell at his feet and said, God, if you would love me. And then, I mean, he's that guy who pushed abolition, you know, and, and made a stand and just, you know, threw it all away and said, God, forgive me for the hate. Forgive me for looking at your creation this way. Somebody thank God for his amazing grace. I love songs, but then I love, I love, uh, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Corey asked for a song. I love that, that he would love me. And I know that we struggle with this message, but you, has anybody ever read the Gospels? How many have ever read the Gospels? How many have read the story of the prodigal son? Yes. About the woman at the well. Yes. The thief on the cross. Yes. Mary washing the feet of Jesus. Yes. God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Yes. God's forgiveness of King David for adultery and murder. Yes. Look, I, I, how about this statement? I'm about to do a new thing in your life. Do you not see it springing forth? So I'm reading all of this and I'm looking back at how God loved Abraham and his children. And I'm asking myself this question. How did those dudes get so messed up that they thought it would be a good day to drag a young woman out of a bed of adultery through the streets and ask Jesus to stone her to death? How do you get so demented, so screwed up in your thinking that you think, I'm going to do the work of the God who loved me by murdering somebody else? How do you get to that point where it's okay to hurt somebody, okay to kill somebody, okay to destroy somebody, okay to be bitter? How do you get to that place? I read the Bible and I thought, okay. I mean... 
People tell me this all the time. Pastor Rick, have you ever read the Old Testament before? Don't you know that they stoned people for adultery? And I want to look at you and go, duh. What you don't know is about all the times you never read about anybody getting stoned. According to the rabbis, people didn't get stoned. It was evidence of what your sin was worthy of. How many believe if it was not for the overwhelming love of Jesus, I could have been dragged out into the street. This is a message from Christ. Remember at the moment where Moses is receiving those tablets of stone. Remember this in Exodus uh, chapter 34. The Lord passed in front of Moses and he reveals himself calling out Yahweh. I am that I am the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. Of course, all we read is verse uh, 7. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. Have you read that scripture before? Sometimes that's all we read. We forgot the thousand generations. The God of love and mercy and the God of compassion will receive that. You say, well, how does that happen? Well, let me explain this to you so, so you can get this. How many taught your children to speak English? No, you didn't. You didn't teach your children to speak English. They just lived in your house and you were speaking English. And you know how you speak English? You speak English or Spanish or Portuguese, whatever. You speak it the way you heard it spoke. You got that same kind of voice. You got that. Sometimes people hear my words and they say, why does he say things the way he says? Well, blame it on my mom and my dad. Because that's where I learned it. They didn't say, say it this way. They just said it and I learned it. There's no child that grew up in your English speaking house speaking French. They just learned it from you. In fact, they learned everything from you. They learned it. They learned your hurts. They learned your wounds. They learned your anger. They learned your temper. Or they loved your love and they learned your grace. But some of you are in this room right now wondering why you feel guilty and why you feel ashamed. And I'm not asking you to hate your mama and your daddy. I'm just saying, is it four generations enough? Wouldn't this be a great time to say, I'm not going to lay in the dirt anymore. I'm going to look at the love and the compassion and the mercy of Jesus. I'm not going to let this guilt and shame go into another family member. Well, I ain't going to let that happen to my kids. Then get hold. Go back to verse 6 again. I want you to see verse 6 one more time. Exodus 34 verse 6. Just back up to that scripture. The Lord passed in front of Moses. This is before he gets all those laws and stuff. I'm Yahweh the Lord. Read this with me. The God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with Jesus. I know this is this is a struggle for you. I'm going to give this to you though. I need to move ahead. I want to tell you this. Somebody say mercy. Mercy. And we tell you this. The message of mercy is messy. 
All right? Say it. The message of mercy is messy. I know you want it to be all clean and everything, but it's messy. God is rich in mercy. I sat under uh, Mark Rutland, who I've read for years, but he was at a conference this past week, and he had had an experience similar to Diane and I many years ago when we had the privilege to go to Israel. And we got into a Shabbat elevator. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, you know? Okay, so on the Sabbath day, you are not allowed to push your hand forward and push a button. So the elevator is programmed so that you do not work on the Sabbath day. So you stand, don't push the button. You will get your hand slapped. So I'm standing there, and I started to, and someone, don't, 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 okay. Because I would be breaking the law of working on the Sabbath. You can't move forward. You can't do anything productive. You can't move forward. So uh, Mark Rutland was on an elevator, and uh, let me finish this. He was on an elevator, and uh, he knew he was not supposed to touch it, but the elevator jammed. So he reached. There was a bunch of boys in the elevator with him. There were a bunch, and so he reached for the phone, and they said, "No, no, it's Sabbath. You can't touch the phone." And so he just stood back, but okay. The elevator stuck. What should we do? We can't push a button. It's the Sabbath day. And the, and the guys, the, you know, the, the wonderful Jewish young men that were there got irritated. They're standing in the back cussing. Cussing the elevator. Cussing all the people that should be taking care of it. Cuss. So... Does anybody see the vacillation here? Does anybody see the problem? So, see, some of you are struggling with this right now, and you're struggling in your life. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you this again. I love you. And you say, but you don't know what I've done. Now, I want to show you why it's messy, okay? And this is, this is, this is part of our learning, and it's, it's this. It's that there is tension between legalism and mercy. There is tension between the law and grace. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? So why did Jesus not say, well, as a matter of fact, sweetheart, I got a rock right now. And because of what the law says, I'm going to hit you in the head. There's tension in it. There are sometimes, how many just hate it when people are late? Okay? Sometimes you got to give people a break. Now, wait. Sometimes some of you folk need to set your alarm and get up at the right time. Here's the problem. It's like Ben-Hur in the chariot. Because as he's riding down, sometimes he has to pull a little bit and say, this is not pleasing to God. But also I want you to know that God is merciful and he is gracious. Listen, whatever mess you find yourself in right now, you say, well, I'm not doing things exactly right. I hear that. God's mercy and his love brings you to him so that you can walk uprightly, so that you can be whole. Some of you, if it was not for the mercy of God, you wouldn't be where you are in life right now. God wants you to know that he loves you in your sin. He loves you in your mess. He loves you in your confusion. He's not ready to throw you in hell today. Anybody receiving what I'm telling you? Yeah. Stand with me. I've got to be finished. Five minutes over. 
I broke the law. Anybody receive the word of God? Somebody say praise the Lord. Thank you for saying that. I feel better. I feel better. So listen. Hear me. Hear me. Two things. I am so grateful for the mercy of God. Look, look here. I know me better than you do. I know me better than you do. I know my mess. Anybody else know your mess? Anybody know your mess? I know my failures. If it was not for the mercy of God, I would quit. But we need to be filled with the mercy of God. The love and the mercy of God. Just hold your hands up like this, like you're catching something. And say this with me. Father, I receive your love. I receive your great mercy. Make me wealthy in your love and in your mercy. Put your hands down. How many believe that God will answer that prayer? How many believe that? You know why? Because if you ask anything according to his will, it will be done. Two things. One, there are Christians in the house today that had too much anger and too much bitterness in their life. Christians, look at me. There are Christians that have too much anger and too much bitterness. It's been going on for so long. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. It might have been a bad marriage, a bad relationship. I don't know. It might have been what happened with your family. It might have been a preacher. I don't know. But God doesn't want you to carry that anymore. He will recklessly come into your life and help you to walk through forgiveness. Now wait, there's some of you that have not even confessed Jesus as your Lord that are here today. And the big deal is, is you just think you're too big of a mess to come to Jesus. Don't make me come back there and drag you down to this altar. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to be that Pharisee. If you want to come to Jesus, we're not going to drag you. Just come on your own. He loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. So Christians, where are my believers at? I got Christians in the house that have been struggling with hurt, anger, hatred, bitterness. Where are you? Wave at me if that's you. You've been struggling with that. I want to wave at me. Would you just come and stand with this preacher? Don't don't pick on my cowboy's jersey. Just come up here. Oh my. Yeah, come on down. Wow. Now listen, at the same time, there are some of you that need to give your life over to Jesus and you're thinking, but you, you would never love me. I love you no matter who you are. We'll work out the details later. Okay. Come on. You say, Pastor, if you knew my life, you knew the things that I was doing, the way that I'm living, I want you to know that I love you right where you are. Jack, Mara, Cliff, all my prayer workers come and stand up. All my prayer team. If you need to give your life to Jesus, do this. Okay? Do this. Just begin to, to breathe this. Breathe this. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for the story of the cross. Thank you for your mercy. 
thank you for your grace. Yeah, just here. Y'all ready? All right, now listen. The only people that are going to be around you are people that I trust and have already been trained. And I love you so much. Okay? We're not here to tell you what to do tomorrow morning. We are here to tell you that Jesus loves you. He cares for you. And He will bring healing to your life. Okay? So that's what we're here for. Okay, we're going to pray here. Anybody glad for the Word of God today? Anybody just thankful? Listen, I want you to do this. All around this room, I want you to find two or three people. I want you to bless them. I want you to speak healing to their heart by saying, Lord, heal their heart. I want you to take... Okay, now, if you... if Some people are just not hugging, okay? I get that. You don't want people to hug you. Just say, one of those, okay? But take a chance. Put your arm, maybe a good double arm hug and love and bless one another and pray with one another before you leave. My name is Rick. If I haven't met you all, meet me in the hospitality room. Pray for one another. Love one another. Bless one another. Be healed in the name of Jesus. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. And give you peace. Be dismissed when you choose. God bless you all. Sing.